You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. I, uh, I, I don't watch golf unless Tiger's leading on Sunday with two holes to go. Uh, but Jesus is alive, so it's Masters Polo Sunday, Green Jacket Sunday. Let's pray together, then we're going to be in John chapter 10. Our Father, we are thankful for your word. I ask that we'll be faithful to it, that we'll receive it. Give us eyes to see, minds to understand, ears to hear. Lord, I ask you to forgive our stubbornness or any wall that's up that keeps us from embracing your message from the scriptures, of your love for us, of our need for you, of Jesus being the exact one he claimed to be. So I ask you to eliminate all distractions right now and that we can be people who hear and understand exactly who Jesus is and what he has come to do for his people. We ask you to keep the enemy out of this place. Once again, we ask you to be with every church in Tallahassee. We know we're not the only ones doing this, that the name of Jesus will be proclaimed all over this town, all over the state, all over this country, all over this world. And we'll see people come to faith in Jesus as a result. And we thank you for all this in his name. Amen. J- John chapter 9, chapter 10, verse 9. Sorry, I'm like rare to go here. Jesus said this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I am the door, the Jesus we've been singing about, the one who gave us his amazing grace, the one we sang, holy, holy is the Lord, the one that because he lives, we can face tomorrow, told his followers, Here's how I want you to understand me. I am the door. If you enter by me, you are going to be saved. Not only that, you're going to go in and out, and you're going to find pasture. Like the best place to take pastel Easter pictures you've ever seen. Before Ham at Nana's, you will find pasture. See, the door is a metaphor of how one has a right relationship with God. The door is an invitation to number one, have your sins forgiven. Number two, now to live with Christ, to live a life, not just have your sins forgiven, but now live unto God, as the Bible said. Live your, says, live your life with Jesus. And then the third thing is that we actually can go to heaven when we die and have eternal life. And how does that happen, Jesus says? By entering through the door. He says in verse 10, a thief, as in the enemy, the devil, Jesus believed the devil was a real being, not a metaphor. So the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, as in the opposite of going through the door. But Jesus contrasts this with these words. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Who are the they? The they are those who enter through the door. It's not something that you're born into. How easy would that be? You have to actually enter through it. And Jesus is telling his followers and all those who will hear, I am the way you enter. And it's not a kind of thing where you find Jesus on the other side of the door. What he's saying is, I actually am the door. That if we're going to get a cross to the other side, we don't open the door and go looking around for him. 
we realize that he actually is the door himself. And it's an important distinction to make. It's not all roads lead to the other side of the door. You know, you do what works best for you and we all kind of have our own paths and eventually we, we all end up in the same place and we open the door and, and there's Jesus standing on the other side waiting to welcome us. That's not how it works. He's telling us he actually is that door. John 14, verse six, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, how? But by the door, except through me. But we might ask the question, why does he have to be the door? Like the door, as in the only way. Is that too exclusive? Like this is 2023. Like who are you to say that? Is that kind of arrogant, kind of prideful? Well, I can understand that reasoning, and I think that's probably a fair series of questions to ask. Tim Keller, the author and pastor in New York, when he was young in ministry, had a conversation with a pastor who's passed away now from London named John Stott, who was several decades older than him and wanted some wisdom, wanted some advice. And he asked him this question, he says, do you ever doubt Christianity? I appreciate that humility from a pastor. You ever struggle with this? You ever wonder if it's really true, if it's worth our lives? And if you do, he added, what do you do next? How do you handle those things? And here's what Stott answered. He said, I go back to the one thing I know for certain, and that is that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. So the fact that we are sinners is critical to understand Easter. And if we are sinners, we have to ask the question, if there is a God, then what do we do about that? We have to ask the question, if I'm a sinner, then how do I know my sins are actually forgiven? And that sounds like a really big deal. And the way we know is by the door. That it doesn't just come through some random guy named Jesus, but it actually comes through the cross on which he died. He said this in verse 11, same conversation happening, same speech. He said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That that's what he does. He says, I'm the door, I'm the good shepherd. And here's what the good shepherd does. He doesn't just look after his sheep, even though that's part of it. He lays down his life. A wolf's coming at him, the shepherd's doing whatever he can to take out the wolf. And Jesus says, I lay down my life for my sheep. Why? So we won't have to. Because we have sinned against God, not just made a mistake or messed up or had a rough moment or try harder next time. We've actually sinned against the creator of the universe. And our God can't let sin go unpunished. What kind of God would that be if he just shrugged his shoulders at sin and said, better try next time. It's us actually telling our creator, no thanks, I don't wanna follow you, I don't wanna worship you, I wanna follow and worship me, or your stuff. So we have a sin problem. And as a result of that, we have a broken relationship with God. And we're told the wages of sin is death. And the reason why we sing about the blood of Jesus is not because it's a tradition. We sing about the blood of Jesus because that is how we're reconciled to God, that he died in our place so we wouldn't have to. 
So before you see the cross as some kind of symbol, see it as a place of substitution where Jesus died in our place. So what's he telling these people? He's saying the door's unlocked. It's unlocked. Will you come in? And our culture wants to say, well, that's really nice, but I'll do it eventually. On my terms. You don't understand what's going on right now. But we have to realize that there really is only one way that he's given us. And we should not see that as combative or as unfair. We see that as an amazing act of grace that God has actually given us the way to be forgiven. He's given us the way to be reconciled. He didn't leave us in our sins. He didn't leave us to be punished. He has given us the way. We have to realize that Jesus is the door. Not a way in, but actually is the door. Then what keeps us oftentimes from opening it? As in going to him. And oftentimes it's simply our idea that we're good people on our own. A lot of people believe that in Tallahassee. I'm a really good person. Yeah, I'm not an atheist, not an agnostic. Not that, that makes you a bad person, but, but it's not like I'm some unbeliever. Like, I mean, I'm like good and believe all this kind of stuff, and I'm supportive of my wife going to church or, or whatever it might be, but come on, I'm a good person on my own. And that might be true by the standards of this world. You probably are a pretty good person, and I believe you. But God doesn't judge us by the standards of this world. You can always find somebody a little worse than you, right? Like, I hope so, a little bit worse than you? Just go on social media, it'll take you five seconds. A little worse than you. So you can compare yourself to somebody else and go, man, I'm a pretty good person. But when we compare ourselves to a holy, perfect God, we fall short every single time. But thankfully, a holy, perfect God is the one who came to earth and stood in our place. So what keeps us from responding mainly to the invitation to go in the door? Or if we're in the ballpark, what keeps us from grabbing this handle and not being able to open it? Remember, it's not a way in, it is Jesus himself who is the door. What keeps us from actually understanding and believing and giving our lives to the one who rose again? I think the first one is just stubborn pride. Let's just be honest. I see this with a lot of men, just stubborn pride. I mean, you, you just think that you're the cat's meow and your poop don't stink. So the idea of religion and more, it's like, what'd y'all hear about at Easter? That I'm the cat's meow and the, my poop don't stink. Great, well, I'm glad you're listening. So we had this idea, again, that kind of, I don't really need it, like I'm good with it, but come on, don't give me all that. I'm fine on my own. Or you don't want to give in because maybe you've had people praying for you. Maybe you've had relatives that have tried to invite you to church and try to talk to you about Jesus. And you're like, I'll go to be supportive. But there's just something in you that just resists and resists and resists. And it's not even for intellectual reasons. It's because there's a deep heart of pride. Well, here's the good news. As stubborn and prideful as you are, that door is available to you. Jesus said, come to me. I am the door. The second thing, and I see this a lot, is fear. You're afraid of what this is actually going to mean for your life. You might believe that Jesus is the door. You might be wanting to, to open it up, as in come to him. He's going to receive you. But you're afraid of what it might mean for that relationship that you're in. 
that you know is not of God. You're afraid of what it might mean for your schedule, your calendar, your pocketbook, your priorities, your, your morals, like whatever it could be. Something in you is going, okay, I'm this close, but I'm not sure if I'm ready to give up this. I want to live the college experience. I still don't know what that means, but I want to live the college experience. What does that mean, like shower in your like, sandals in the dorm room? Like, what, what is the college experience? but you're afraid of what that's gonna mean. I'm gonna have to admit that I'm wrong. I'm gonna have to admit that I have needs. The third thing we see is excuses. Oh, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. I used to go to church, and they're the most judgmental people on earth, and I've seen their double lifestyles, and you know, I know people who aren't Christians who are 10 times more moral than those Christians are. You know what, I believe you. I believe you. But God's not going to ask you about them. He's going to ask you about you. And the question is going to be, have you opened the door as in trusting in Jesus? He's the one that holds the door. Or are you trusting in your own goodness and your own righteousness to get you on the other side of that door? Excuses. Or maybe later down the road, I hear that one a lot, once I settle down, but we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I don't mean that to scare you, but just to be honest. Like, where do you stand with God right now? And the answer is gonna be what you believe about Jesus Christ, that he is the door or he's not. Either you're the door or he's the door. The fourth one, and I'm really sympathetic towards this, it actually like makes me go, just kind of have a stomach turn. Nobody's ever told you. No one, you have no idea there is a door, no clue. You don't even know you're supposed to care about it. So you just kind of gone about your life, just kind of doing whatever is best for you or just trying your hardest or, or just trying to be a moral and decent person and no one's ever actually told you that you're a sinner who needs a savior. You've heard about God's love maybe, but it was kind of generic, just kind of like me, like a grandpa would love his grandchildren. You're just kind of that idea, kind of lovey-dovey, whatever it might be, and never put it in the context of it's God's love understood in the fact that while we were sinners, that Jesus died for us because we needed that substitutionary death. So I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is the door. He's the door. Because one day we're all gonna pass over from death to life on this earth, from death to eternity in this world. And we're either gonna pass through it by going through this metaphoric door that is Jesus into eternity where our sins are forgiven, or we're gonna pass over as people that are just banking on our own lives to stand before God and say, man, I'm a good person. And Jesus says, I'm the door. If you enter by me, you'll be saved. The next one is religion. It's like, wait, religion can keep you from going through the door? That sounds kind of weird. Aren't we here today because we're religious? Well, sure, Christianity is definitely religious. It is a religion. But oftentimes our beliefs can actually blind us from the door. And by that I mean that you even God, yeah, I'm not an atheist, I'm not an agnostic. Most people aren't statistically. But Jesus said that the way to him is, the way to reconciliation with him is narrow and the road is broad that leads to death. The road's narrow that leads to life. So how does that make sense that there's so many people in this world who are not atheists and not agnostics? Well, they believe in a lowercase g God. 
big man upstairs, kind of a glorified Santa, maybe Yoda from Star Wars, kind of a just moral compass kind of idea, big man upstairs idea kind of God. And the problem with that is we don't get to choose and pick who we want God to be. God has told us who he is and revealed himself to us. So we see actually who he is, then we are made aware, one of his huge, holy self, but also of our need before him. So oftentimes people say, well, I'm a spiritual person. And that actually keeps them from seeing their need. I'm not an atheist, I'm not an agnostic, and it keeps them from actually seeing their need for Jesus. So they think they're right here at the door, but their answer to why they are a Christian isn't Jesus. It's that they're good people, believe in God, mean well, are sincere, come from a Christian family, and sadly, they're actually outside the door. Because the answer to why you were a Christian, not just on Easter Sunday, but always, is anything other than the name of Jesus, you're standing out here. But the good news is Jesus is opening himself, opening his life through his death and his resurrection to you, doing something religion could never do in a million years which is save you from your sins. See, that's what it's all about. All these good things like religion, they might give you a good life, but they don't deal with the fact that we have sinned against God. And the last thing is I'm a good person. That's the famous one. I'm a good person. Well, and I believe you once again. But if that is what gets you to heaven, the Bible's very clear that Jesus died for nothing. And everything he said about himself has to have some metaphoric explanation to live a better life or something. Because if your good works get you into heaven, then why does it matter if Jesus is the door? So we're saying the most brutal, unjust death in the history of humanity really didn't matter. Because you on your own can get to heaven. I would say it's the most popular belief in America is just that good people go to heaven. Now, who are good people? We usually just mean us, right? Just kind of me. Galatians 2.21, if righteousness can be attained by keeping the law, by being a good person, then Jesus died for nothing. So here are these people with their religion, with their excuses, with their stubborn pride, and they're outside this door, even though they've gone to church their entire life, even though they'll, they win arguments all the time, whatever it could be, they're standing outside this door when Jesus has it open for them. But what's on the other side of the door? We told you what's on this side of the door, what's on the other side? Forgiveness of sins. Life with God. And eternal life. I mean, when Jesus says, you go through me, you get to find pasture. Like, what comes to mind when you think of a green pasture? Like, what comes to mind? The context here is kind of a deep breath. Just kind of a peaceful scene that lets you just sort of exhale. And that's what that door does. Because there's so many different doors competing for your affections and competing for your attention and your loyalty, and none of them work, do they? Because we always find ourselves having to do more, having to perform more, having to post more. 
And it just doesn't work because it wasn't designed to work for you. We were never supposed to find our satisfaction in the things of this world. We find our satisfaction in Christ, who does all the work and not only is the door, he opens the door for us. Full of grace, not of our effort, all of his. And here's the response, John chapter 10, verse 19, same story. It says, again, the Jews were divided because of these words. It really is, saying, I'm the door, the only way through is to heaven is through me. That's still divisive today, right? Very divisive today. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and he's crazy. That's what they thought, which would kind of make sense if it wasn't true. At the very least, he's crazy, maybe he's lying. And they go, why do you listen to him? So that's my question this morning. Why would you listen to him? Why? Do you have an answer for why you listen to your favorite podcast? You like it, it's informative. Do you have an answer for why you listen to your favorite band? You love that song, love that kind of music. There's a reason why you listen to your parents, because the other side of that is probably in a lot of trouble. Maybe they know best, you don't know that yet, but one day they, you will realize they know best. There's reasons why we listen to certain things, but why we listen to somebody who makes such an outrageous claim like I am the door. Y'all, because of Easter, because he rose from the grave. And if Easter really is true, it doesn't matter what I think it should be. It matters what he said. Because I'm gonna go with the guy who was dead and came out to life three days later, any day of the week. Now I went to Leon High School, which probably means one of the smartest people in this room. But what a fool I would be. What a fool. If the resurrection is true, and I think that door is no big deal, and I think I'll just try harder, be more moral, all roads lead to the same place, what we're doing is we're saying that Jesus, the one you even like and admire, is a liar or that he's crazy. Can you be a good person and be a regular habitual liar? I mean, how many of us have had to ask for forgiveness of God so many times for lying? Like, lies require God's forgiveness. Or if he's crazy, we just feel bad for him. C.S. Lewis did a great work on that. He talked about the, lion, the, the liar, the lunatic, or that he's actually Lord. He actually is the door. And he says, come to me. Not that you'll find me and find some kind of life on the other side of the door, but I actually am the door is what Jesus says. Like, I am the whole point. I'm not just the end, I'm also the means. If your answer to why you are a Christian is anything other than Jesus Christ, I'm not being judgmental, I'm just being practical and Bible for you. You might not be. But the good news is you don't have to stay over here. Because Jesus gave this loud invitation as the, as the one who would soon, he hadn't resurrected, he hadn't died or resurrected yet when he said those words. But he was pointing them to the greatest truth that could ever be told. 
and that is that God has not forgotten about his people. He has not left us in our sins to die and spend eternity apart from him. That this thing called Christmas happened because we could not get to God on our own. Our good deeds could not erase our bad deeds. I told our church on Friday night, your Diet Coke does not cancel out your double cheeseburger. Hate to break it to you. He didn't leave us here. He wasn't removed from us. He came here. Lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. Died a death that we deserve. That's the cross. And rose from the grave to bring us into new life. To invite us to come in through him and over here find pasture. Forgiveness. Life. The pressure off our shoulders to perform because he did all the performance through his life and his death and his resurrection. So when you claim you believe in Jesus, you're not talking about some kind of Yoda figure or some kind of champion for this cause. You're talking about the one who is the door. That if you come through me, you'll be saved. You know, people talk about getting saved. That's not some like old Southern like Baptist phrase. That's a Jesus phrase. It's a Jesus phrase. I'm the door. He says in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he's going to be saved. So what are you entering by? Are you banking your life on your good works, on your family heritage, on your efforts, on later down the road? Are you banking your entire life on the one whom death could not hold? Jesus is the door. He has opened it for us. Those who are already believers in this room, don't forget this. Quit thinking that you're the one who has the keys to this life over and over again. Like, you believe in Jesus, but now it's up to you to do. No, he's all of it. He's all of it. And if you grew up going to church and it was, the, and it was just kind of like, hey, let's all sing kumbaya and, and light a candle and go home, and never heard about Jesus, well, now you've heard about him. He said he's the way, the truth, the life. We're told in the book of Romans that this is how we understand God's love for us. Not just that he told us he loves us, even though he does over and over again, but that why we were sinners, not after we got it figured out, that Christ died for us. He opened himself. He opened the door of salvation to people like me who don't deserve it on my best day. So now I get to live life with him. Not because of anything I have done, but because of everything he has done. Please do not figuratively shut the door. Because there's a wide open invitation for all who will come and believe that Jesus really is the one. He does all the work. He invites us to the door. He opens the door. He carries us through the door, but it's only by and through him. And that is why we say Happy Easter, because it sealed the deal once and for all that he's the exact one he claimed to be. Imagine if we actually believed this in Tallahassee. 
like myself included. Like if we really actually as a church family were so convinced of the resurrection that we were completely unashamed of the name of Jesus. Because we know. We know it will all be worth it. Because he's exactly the one he claimed to be. The good news is when he brings you in that door, nobody can kick you out. Because again, he's the one who holds you. He's the one who carries you through. So how do you get to the other side of eternal life, forgiveness of sins, life with God? Through the door. Through the door. And who is the door? The resurrected Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Our God, we are thankful for Easter Sunday. I'm thankful that churches all over the world are gathering and celebrating today, united in the common belief that we all share together as believers, that Jesus is alive. And Lord, I ask that we will be people who are convinced that there is one door and his name is Jesus. That he's not a way, he's the way. And what a loving, amazing act it is that the one way would come here for us and not leave us in our sins. That we can trust him forever and have a life with him because he rose from the grave that death could not hold him. So as a result, death will ultimately not hold us. I'm thankful for the Christian, the grave is temporary. One day you will come again and make all things new and redeem the people of yourself for all eternity. Lord, in the meantime, let us be people who follow Jesus. Forgive us when we see Christianity as a hobby or a good luck charm. We're just more into religion, our own morality, or our stubborn pride, or whatever it could be that keeps us from receiving the invitation to walk into that door that is life with you. We're thankful for the blood of Jesus. We know there's no forgiveness of sins without it. We're thankful for the empty tomb and the resurrection of Christ. And we anticipate when your last promise will be fulfilled, when you return again. Lord, in the meantime, let us get to work here by loving you and loving our neighbor and letting them know the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, for anyone in this room this morning that does not know you, Lord, I ask you, open their eyes to the door that you open the door for them so wide that they can't resist it by your grace. We know your grace accomplishes all of its purposes. You're the one who began the work. You're the one who will complete the work. So I ask to the sovereign God that you draw people to yourself through the door. Lord, I ask for conversations that come from this gathering over coffee, lunch, whatever it could be, where people open their eyes to see their need for Christ and that you have met that need. They have a need to be forgiven and you've given us, given us the need. You've met the need. Lord, let us stop being stubborn. Stop being ignorant. And let us come to the door. We're thankful you've given it to us in the name of Jesus. Amen.